Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. And now we go to our premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Always love talking to June Lee from ESPN, especially uh, when he's there for a Padres <laughs> playoff victory. And June joins us right now uh, with Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan. Good morning, June. Good morning. You still smell like Budweiser or what? <laughs> I woke up this morning and I hadn't showered last night and I... And when I went to the bathroom, my hair was still sticking together because I got a bunch of like beer and stuck in my hair. So I got to shower after we get off the phone. It was uh, amazing watching your videos <clears throat> this morning. Padres in there uh, dancing last night to Gangnam Style, which I think is just fantastic. Uh, how cool was it to be in there last night? The boys seemed pretty pretty happy to be moving on. Yeah, everyone was drenched. It was uh, it was really really good vibes. I think that there was just a, a level of uh, just kind of letting out a breath of, of fresh air just because, uh, especially after last night where, you know, the first game the Padres dominated, the second game the Mets dominated, you really didn't know what you were going to get going into game three, especially with, you know, a, a matchup that is, is as good as Chris Bassett and Joe Musgrove, two pitchers who have been so consistently good throughout the course of the season for both teams. And so, uh, I, I mean, I think everyone's a little surprised to kind of see the way that it unraveled the course of the night and, uh, you know, Musgrove really, really dominated there last night. I mean, he was completely unhittable. June, I, I think sometimes it's a tired cliche because every run is important. But when they say, hey, whoever gets off to the, the good start, whoever scores first has a big advantage, certainly looked that way in this series on Friday and on Sunday. And maybe it was because of the crowd. Uh, you were there. The way the Padres were able, at least for two of those games, to score in the first couple of innings and take out what was a raucous crowd and really silence it at City Field? How noticeable was it being there? Yeah, it was definitely that played into all of this because I remember yesterday, I think it was Jeff McNeil was talking pregame during a press conference, and a reporter asked him about this exact thing, about you know, the effect of a team scoring the first run and how that affects the other team. And it, it, we're kind of having conversations about how it puts the team who doesn't score first on their heels, and it puts a lot of pressure on them, especially in a winner-takes-all elimination game. And when the Padres scored in the second inning yesterday, it just takes out some of the air out of City Field, which can become pretty raucous depending on on the kind of uh, thing going on on the field. 
But I think with the Padres scoring first, it, it took some energy out, and then Musgrove just kind of rolling and dominating in the way that he did, allowing just like one hit over seven innings. Uh, I, I think it really shut up Mets fans really quickly. And you know, by the end of the seventh inning, the eighth inning, Mets fans were walking out of the stadium. Yeah, I mean, it took their soul. You know, seeing the at-bat, I was watching obviously on television, but seeing the at-bat from Austin Nola, and look, I mean, I think – over the last, I'd say, really six weeks of the season, it's been very clear Austin Nola is going to be the catcher. Uh, I think guys like throwing to him. Uh, I think he does a very serviceable job back there, and there's just a comfort level. The ABs sometimes can leave a little to be desired, except for lately. He's actually been hitting the ball pretty well. It was one of the uglier at-bats you'll ever see until he drove that ball through the left side. I mean, the 0-2 swing that he barely got a, a piece of, that would steal my soul if I was a Mets fan, too. You got him set up right there, and you let that guy beat you and drive in two runs. I can understand why the air was sucked completely out of City Field. Yeah, and you mentioned Nola specifically. I mean, Musgrove was talking yesterday about how he spent all offseason preparing with him, throwing all of his bullpens to him, and how they kind of worked together to get on the same page. And so I think all of that was one of the preparation meeting opportunity, uh, everything kind of coming together at the right time. I mean, it, it really seemed like those two were locked in together in a way that uh, is hard to just kind of, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's the kind of thing that, that takes time uh, and, and effort to, to kind of get on the same page and on the level that Musgrove and, and Nola were last night. Talking to ESPN's June Lee, he was at City Field last night as the Padres clinched the series with the New York Mets. All right, got to get your opinion on, I'm calling it ear flap, uh, with Joe Musgrove. Necessary <laughs> evil for Buck Walter Bush League? I mean, what did you think when he went out and called for the umpires to check on Joe in the sixth inning? I mean, it was a little odd, especially when you watch the video on TV, uh, seeing the way that the umpires were interrogating and just, like, sticking their fingers deep in Joe, Joe Musgrove's ear. Like, I don't think it was ever something I would have expected to see on a baseball field. I mean, how often in general do you expect to see uh, someone go to their job and have fingers stuck deep inside their ear? I mean, that's not something that happens every single day. So on that level, it was just kind of absurd. But when you look at the explanation that Showalter gave in the post game, you know, there was some reason to believe that maybe something could be up. I mean, you saw Musgrove's shiny ears, you know, those photos going around on social media. And his spin rate was also up on all of his pitches compared to where he was in the regular season. But I, I think Gary Cohen of SNY hit it on the nail on the head yesterday where, you know, it's it's for nothing. It, it, there was a sense of desperation yeah. from the Mets and in going and doing what they did yesterday because, I mean, there wasn't any clear tangible evidence. I mean, we've seen in elimination games, we've seen in, in playoff games, spin rates go up because guys are working off of adrenaline. Um, and you really have to make sure that, you know, none of your guys are doing anything in order to go out and do that. Um, it was one of those things where it felt like the air was already taken out of the building at City Field. And it was just one of those things where it was like, this is – this is one of those things where it's like I don't I don't really know why or anyone should do this. I mean, it just it felt kind of desperate. And, and Showalter yesterday after the game kind of talked about how he was willing to deal with the ramifications and how it, how it looks. So he was, he said he was going to do whatever was best for the Mets. But it was one of those things that just like it felt off in the moment. It's just like yeah, it really did not feel necessary. We are talking to our pal June Lee from ESPN. I wanted to ask you now. So the series is over. You saw a really nice pitching performance from 
Jacob deGrom uh, on Saturday night. And, you know, based on the first couple of innings, now I blacked out from about the sixth on, so I don't remember a lot of it, uh, June. But the first. We had a viewing party at a bar, and Woo. our listeners were plying woods. Oh, my God. Frequently. <laughs> yes, they yeah, were. Sorry, and yeah. it was very fun, but I don't remember a lot. But I do remember how the game started. So let me ask you guys this, all of you and everybody listening to. We had seen the story come around that on their whiteboard, they already had like everything dotted up and lined up for their series against the Dodgers. And I'm talking about the Mets, of course, which that series isn't going to happen now. Do you feel, in hindsight, the correct move was going Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett, or seeing how well... From the beginning, beginning, as opposed to waiting until after... The Padres lost game one. Right, yeah. exactly. So DeGrom pitching as well as he did, isn't that a completely different series if DeGrom goes out and has game two during game one? Do you think Buck got cute and it cost him? Oh, man. I mean, I, from the Mets' perspective, I kind of completely understand the way that they went about it. I mean, there is a level of needing to stay present and you know dealing with the thing in front of you in right now in that moment. But... I think if you're trying to set up the team for the best long-term success, not announcing that game two starter, and also just leaving an air of mystery around it, there's a level of trying to play chess to kind of throw off the Padres that I think is also understandable um, when it comes to, you know, trying to set up the the pitching schedule in general. Sure. Um, And so I think from that vantage point, I mean, there's a level of, you know, maybe they're thinking too far ahead uh, to playing the Dodgers and trying to set up the ground for that series, but – I also do think that that move worked on the level of trying to play some sort of, you know, just guessing game with the Padres. You know, I think that kind of stuff is slightly overblown in regards to whether or not it actually has an effect on on guys. Um, But I I, I do kind of understand it from the Mets' perspective. Um, You know, that being said, in regards to the the stuff that was kind of on the video board in in the the Mets' clubhouse, uh, you know, it's probably something that they they definitely – uh, regret, um, and that's not necessarily that's not necessarily even something that the players or like the manager controls. Like that's something that like that's up to the clubhouse managers and the organization as a whole. I I think that that probably in retrospect looks pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but I think that's more of a reflection on uh, just the internal workings of the Mets, which, as we know, is always chaotic and is always a mess than it is on any of the players or or the management or the you know Buck Showalter in particular. June, uh, I, I think sometimes when a, a team from the West Coast or a smaller market makes the playoffs, the national broadcasters and media don't don't fully know that team. I mean, you can't stay up and watch the Padres at one in the morning every single night. Um, but when it came to Trent Grisham, uh, they you know the guys Carl and and Coney were you know giving him all the credit in the world that he deserved. But I almost thought they undersold it. If you were a Padres fan. You were more stunned about Trent Grisham's round in the playoffs, maybe than anything. I mean, we watched him all season, and it wasn't like he felt like he was on the verge of a breakout. We were talking about whether he should even be on the, the wild card roster, and we, we said, well, he's got to be out there for his defense, but we were expecting nothing offensively. The contributions he made, I wanted to get your thoughts because it was I thought it was a, a stunner even from our perspective. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that there was a level of being stunned about Trent Grisham given how he's performed, hitting the way that do, does. But as someone who's you know was trying to cover the Padres from a national perspective and probably have hasn't watched as much Padres baseball as I've watched Mets or Yankees or Red Sox baseball, just given my personal purview, the fact that I live on the East Coast, uh, hashtag East Coast bias. Um, Trent Grisham's <laughs> also a guy that you admit it, it you know, exists a, a lot. A, you know, 
Trent Grisham's also a guy that I think for a lot of people who cover baseball nationally, you know, is a former top prospect, a former high first-round pick. And so there's always a level of even if guys who are drafted that high and ranked high as prospects struggle at some point, that things can always they can always turn it around. So because Trent Grisham is a name that we've heard as just a national prospect for you know the course of his entire professional baseball career, dating back uh, you know five five years or so, uh, I think that there's a level of being less surprised than you know the 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 local you know the local fans might having experienced the ups and downs. But um, I think it's also just a, a case of you know it's there is a level of East Coast bias when. Uh, we're, you know, we're, uh, I'm, I'm all on the East Coast. I'm watching more Mets, Yankees, Red Sox than I am, you know, Padres baseball on a, on a day-to-day basis. Well, my partner, uh, Ben, had his sixth vacation this year, was out in New York, and did have to watch one of those important games, and it did start at 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> it's you, so late. You it's do so kind crazy. of understand. <laughs> it's rough, man. It's like, tough, you, man. You, you, especially in the last couple of days, like, I'm getting back at, like, midnight, 1 a.m., and it's like, I'm watching the entire baseball game. It's hard for me to watch another entire <laughs> baseball game. All right, I, I, I think this is relevant, though. So give us your, your East Coast perspective on Padres-Dodgers Coming up this week, I mean, on the surface, I think the first thing you look at is, oh, Dodgers have dominated the Padres, and they have. But what do you have beyond that for us, June? I think that there is a level of the team over the course of the last couple of days from the guys that I've talked to over there feeling like they're starting to click because there was a level of, especially after the trade deadline and getting Juan Soto and everything that happened to Fernando Tatis Jr. and getting Josh Hader and him struggling, that the clubhouse was struggling to click and find its groove together. And I think over the course of the last couple of days, guys were feeling like, oh, we finally have kind of found our identity. I mean, for a team that has much change as the Padres did, you know, a half season in, a lot of teams kind of find their identity at the all-star break around then. This is kind of the equivalent of that for a team that has much turnover uh, and, and enormous pieces kind of out of the mix and coming into the mix as the Padres have had this year. And so I think there's a level of, at least internally in the clubhouse, the Padres feeling like, oh, we're, we're starting to find who we are as a team. Now, the Dodgers are going to be a really, really tough matchup. But I always say, like, you know, on paper, matchups don't really matter when it comes to October to a point unless the rosters are completely, completely mismatched, which I don't think is the case with the Padres and the Dodgers. Uh, what really matters is five games. I mean, any team in the majors can win a, a five-game series. It takes three wins. I mean, the worst team in baseball has, has – I mean, the Cubs at the beginning of September swept the Mets. I mean, that's something that happens in baseball because all major league baseball teams are good. So, you know, I, I think as long as the talent is, is relatively close, which I think – uh, you know, in the grand scheme of Major League Baseball, you know, the Padres can stack up to the Dodgers in some ways, even though the Dodgers have a star-studded lineup and, and rotation. Um, you know, it's, it only takes three games. So the Padres definitely have a chance. I think the guys in the clubhouse there feel like things are coming together in a way that uh, is not necessarily the case for, for teams when it, comes, uh, when it comes to this time in October. June, uh, good stuff. Just what we were hoping for when we uh, when we asked you on. Appreciate giving us your first hand perspective. And get the showers now. Yeah, now you can go ahead and uh, get the get the beer out of your hair. I will. Thank you, guys. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. June, June. Lay from ESPN on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.